Uh, last week we talked about what is wisdom and kind of defining what wisdom is, but the, my goal for the rest of the series is to take different topics that are covered in Proverbs. Um, when I read through Proverbs and I've been reading through, my goal has been to read every night to read the proverb of the day, uh, which is to take the chapter number and uh, match it with the date. So like tonight I'll read Proverbs 13. Um, I haven't been 100% faithful with that. I've missed a few here and there, um, but my goal has been to be able to read through Proverbs basically every month. Um, and then when you go through Proverbs, um, especially once you get to chapter 10 and beyond, uh, you kind of get little sayings that it's about this, and then the next one's about this, and the next one's about this, and you get the topics. It's not, very, it's not topical. It's just uh, given as uh, one proverb at a time, sometimes on different topics, sometimes... Uh, it will group verses together that relate, and sometimes it will be one verse about this and one verse about that. And so I thought what would be helpful for us is maybe to see, okay, here's what Proverbs says about this topic, and then look through some of the verses, kind of give some guidance as to what it's saying, and then um, be able to draw some application about it in, in one specific area. Uh, for the first one, I chose wisdom and speech. I chose this for a couple of reasons. Um, first of all, uh, I knew this week was going to be a very busy week with the memorial service yesterday. Um, my children work at the Iowa Honey Producers Association booth at the fair, and so there's a lot of uh, moving them back and forth and driving them over, picking them up and stuff like that. So I knew my time was going to kind of be strange this week. And speech is one that's very easy to kind of pick out from Proverbs what verses talk about that and, and put them together. So that's one reason. Um, another reason I chose this is that uh, there is a lot about the way we speak in Proverbs. Um, so it seems to be one of those big topics that is covered. And then third, um, and this is from, we're going to look at James chapter 3 here. Um, speech is a very difficult thing for us to get right with God, to do correctly, to be blameless in our speech. And James gives us that. We're not going to really study this verse, but I just want to read and look at it here. In James 3, starting in verse 2, we, say, uh, we see, For we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man. He's a complete man, able also to bridle the whole body. So you can see that God puts a high priority on our speech, that he says, if you can be perfect in your speech, you really have things under control in your life. Verse 3 says, Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. Uh, so talking about this powerful animal, Bethany worked a lot with horses the past couple of years, and um, at the fair, I uh, met a guy who saw Levi's Packer jersey and yelled, Go Packer, so we stopped and talked with him, and he was leading a horse. So I got to actually pet the horse because he let me do that. And, and these are big, giant, powerful animals, but you put a tiny little bit in their mouth and you're able to steer them and make them do what you want them to do. Um, and then he gives ships. You look at ships, although they are large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. Again, a large, powerful object, and the small little rudder is able to steer the ship where the pilot wants it to go. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a forest a little fire kindles. Um, that verse kind of reminds me of the Smokey the Bear ads, you know, only you can prevent forest fires, and they talk about putting out your campfires and not dropping your cigarettes in the forest, stuff like that. It doesn't take much to start a forest fire. And we have lots of news about forest fires recently and uh, throughout the years uh, about how dangerous they are. Verse 6 says, The tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature, and is set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird of reptile creature of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind. And then verse 80 says, no man can tame the tongue. And so at verse 2 it talks about if you're able to, to control your tongue, you're a perfect man. And verse 80 tells you you can't do it. No man can tame the tongue. It's an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. With it we bless God and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brother, these, brethren, these things ought not to be so. So we can use our tongue to bless God, but we also can use our tongue to curse men. And oftentimes we end up doing that. 
And God says, this is, this is wrong. And he goes on in the passage, talks about, can you get sweet water or salty water from a, 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 a sweet well? Or can you get uh, plums from a fig tree? You know, it's things that don't exist in nature and our tongue yet, even though we desire maybe to be blessing God and to be saying the right things, we have a hard time controlling it. So um, I thought wisdom and speech might be one of the good places to start here in Proverbs and talk about what does God say about our speech. Um, I'd like to do something different with the Bible reading this morning. There are a lot of little verses here. Um, so instead of having one person read each verse and switch around, I'm going to have one person read the verses under each point, so I don't have to keep on asking for volunteers. We'll just have one person start with point one, and they'll just do all the verses, and it will give 10 people an opportunity to read, and usually I think that's about how many we get reading anyway. Uh, so we'll do it that way. Um, so first point here, now we see from Proverbs, we should speak words of instruction. You could even put in words of wisdom, words of knowledge, words of understanding. Uh, the words we speak should represent the truth that God presents in his word. We should be able to use our speech to talk about the things of God, to talk about the truths of God, to talk about who God is, to talk about what God's will is, what he commands for us. Our speech should be used for that. So I'm going to ask for a volunteer for point one. Nathan's hand goes up really quickly. Um, so Nathan, just, you can start just reading one verse. I'll comment maybe a little bit, then I'll tell you to read the next verse. So just like that. So what does this say about speaking words of instruction? Well, we look at this verse and there's a command to us that we should be listening, but really there has to be somebody speaking the truth. And here in this passage, you have the father and mother giving instruction to a child, and they need to be speaking the things that are true and right in our God. And so I looked at this and said, wait a second, you know, we always look at the second part and say, oh, we need to listen, we need to listen, but we also need to be people who are teaching Especially if you're a parent, especially if you're a godly parent, you ought to be teaching the things of God and telling your kids about this is what is the truth, this is what's right, this is what's good, this is what God tells us to do. That's our responsibility. So we need to be speaking that. The next couple of verses go along that same line. Do the next one, Nathan. So a number of words he uses in this passage for the father, again, teaching uh, his in, um, instruction, the instruction of a father. This is training. This is giving to you. This is what you should do. Um, he says, give attention to, un to no understanding. Again, we talked about understanding is knowing how to take the truth and apply it. It's having that idea that this is what God tells me to do. This is what I should be doing with it. Um, he talks about giving good doctrine. Doctrine is another word for teaching. And so he's teaching his son. Um, and then he says, do not forsake my law. And again, uh, given the context of Proverbs, the law that he's given, his law, the law that he has chosen to embrace is going to be God's law. And so if we're teaching the things that God wants us to do, especially as parents or especially as older people teaching younger people, but younger people can teach too. They've you read God's word, you understand God's word, you study God's word, you could say, look what I've learned from God's word. So um, wisdom and speech includes speaking words of instruction. Uh, Proverbs 6.20. Um, I added a, a number of these verses that bring up both the father and mother because I think this is important. Um, you know, in the church, a lot of times the teachers are, are men, and I think that's right because that's the way the Bible presents that the men ought to be teaching the whole body. Uh, but women, you have a place to teach too, especially if you're a mother. In your family, you can be instructing your children and telling them this is what God says we need to do. Proverbs 10, 13, and 14. So 
So wisdom is found on the lips of him who has understanding. As we understand and we know the word of God, we can speak wisdom to people. We can say this is what is the wise thing to do. This is what God wants us to do. Later on, verse 14, it says, but the mouth of the fool is in your destruction. The things that he say brings about his own destruction. Or things that if you're listening to the fool, it's going to lead you on the wrong path. It's going to lead you from what God wants you to do. Um, Proverbs 23, 20. I think I've meant to have these switched around, but that's okay. So again, just uh, the idea of parents speaking wisdom to their children. Proverbs 10, 31. So again, the mouth of the righteous here brings forth, it, it speaks wisdom. It, the wise person will, will use their tongue to promote wisdom, to tell other people this is what God wants us to do. In contrast there, the, the perverse tongue is going to be cut out. It's going to be taken away. It's going to be um, removed. And this may be literally in this time, or it could be figuratively. The person who keeps on giving bad advice who says, you know, this is what we should do, this is what would be best, and it's wrong, people are going to stop listening to that, right? Because it's going to lead you astray, it's going to hurt you, it's going to not benefit your life, and so you start going, I don't want to listen to that person, they give bad advice. And that's kind of the idea here. Uh, Proverbs 15, 2. So the tongue of the wise takes knowledge and uses it rightly and again it's their tongue so they're they're explaining this they're telling this it's the person that you go to advice and say i trust them because they're going to tell me what's the best thing to do and even if i don't want to hear what's the best thing to do they're going to tell me what's the best thing to do and i should listen to that because that they take their knowledge and they're going to tell you this is how you use knowledge the mouth of fools pours forth foolishness um what the way they speak it's not helpful it, it's 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 hurtful. It's going to not benefit you. So the mouth of a fool pours forth foolishness. Proverbs 15, 7. So even here, the lips of the wise, not only you know, do they have the wisdom, but they're dispersing knowledge. They're giving out knowledge. It's, it's going out to everybody. They're sharing the knowledge that they have to, to the benefit of others. And then the, the mouth of the fool, uh, sorry, the heart of the fool does not do so. They're not sharing good knowledge with people. Um, where are we? 1623. So the heart of the wise, someone who's wise, he takes care to teach his mouth or, or to instruct his mouth on what to say. He thinks about how to speak wisely, with knowledge, with wisdom. Um, there he adds learning to his lips. So he takes what he's known and what he's learned and he learns to speak those things. It's not just something that happens. It's something that he works at. It's something that uh, he takes time to know what's the right way to speak. Uh, eight, eighteen four. So the word of man's mouth are deep waters. What does that mean? Well, the rest of the verse kind of tells us there the wellspring of wisdom is a flowing brook. So these deep waters is this deep wisdom they have. And their mouth speaks forth the things that they've learned, the things that they've studied. And they've taken time to know what the truth is, to really deeply dig into that. Uh, Proverbs twenty fifteen. So gold... I think gold is still expensive, right? Yeah. Um, rubies. Uh, yesterday, my friend Derek was here for the memorial service, and at one point he was showing, was he showing you, Olivia? The, he had some rings that, he used to work as a jeweler. Um, but he had this big ruby ring. The ruby was like, probably like that. And he was telling us, how much did he say it was worth? I think it was about $200,000, he said, this ruby. That is ridiculous. Uh, that's more than I bought my house for, for a little shiny rock. Uh, so these, this is like, you look at this in gold and multiple rubies, those are valuable. 
But look what the, the, the writer of Proverbs says here, but the lips of knowledge, they're a precious stool. That stuff, that gold and rubies is nothing if you're able to speak with knowledge, if you're able to speak with wisdom. That's what God wants us to do. So a couple of points here, and this is how I'm going to kind of do this, give uh, an overview of some verses and some points here. We need to know the truth. We need to understand what is right and wrong so that we can proclaim it to others. If you're going to speak wisdom, if you're going to speak instruction, if you're going to speak understanding, you have to have that first, right? So this all starts with us being students of the Word of God, of knowing who God is, knowing what God wants of us. We need to be spending time in His Word, understanding what God wants us to understand. Then we can speak it to others. Then we can share it with others. Then we can take God's wisdom and say, this is what God says. This is what God wants you to do. This is... In your situation, you've come to me with a tough situation. Let me tell you what the Word of God says. So you need to have that knowledge in order to speak that knowledge. But we are responsible to share the knowledge God has given us. I look at those passages, especially the ones about the father and mother. They're doing this because that's what God requires of them. As, as people, as God's children, you know, God tells us to edify one another. He tells us to encourage one another. He tells us to admonish one another. He tells us to teach one another. There's a responsibility we have as Christians that we ought to be sharing God's wisdom, God's instruction with one another. So we're responsible to share the knowledge that God has given to us with others. And then God delights when we speak about the truth of his word. You want to make God happy. Share what God has revealed to you in his word with others. That makes, God, that makes God happy. That's what pleases him. When we're able to give God's instruction, God's wisdom, God's understanding to others, when we're able to share that and encourage somebody else, maybe help them make the right decisions in life, that pleases God. You want to make God happy, you start there. You start by having God's knowledge and then sharing it with those around you. That's an important thing that we need to be doing. So number one, we should speak words of instruction. Number two, we should speak words of encouragement. These kind of go a little bit hand in hand, and you'll see uh, some of these passages probably could go in multiple categories, but um, I wanted to separate it a little bit. Words of instruction, but words of encouragement also is what we should be speaking. What's the difference? I think instruction is like, this is what God's word says. Encouragement says, is coming alongside someone and saying, Let's do it. Let's follow what God's word says. So you need the knowledge to be encouraging, right? You have to have that first, but not only should we just be going around saying, Nathan, this is what God's word says, but also I come alongside Nathan and say, hey, look what I read in God's word. Let's try to do that together. Let's try to do what God wants us to do. Let's work at it. Let's go forward. Let's do what's right. It's encouraging people to do what's right. Uh, so another reader. Who wants to be the next reader? Caleb, you're going to do that? If you sit in front, it's easier to see you. So you back seaters that are raising your hand. So the mouth of the righteous is a well of life. What does that sound like? That sounds like it's something that's going to encourage somebody, right? It's going to be building them up. It's going to be leading them in the way that brings about life. That brings about... You know, kind of what Jeff was talking about this morning, that, that love, the joy in your life, the peace that you have as you serve God. This is what sharing the things that God does. It encourages people to do what is right. So the mouth of the righteousness is a well of life, but violence covers the mouth of the wicked. So the wicked brings about violent things. It brings about hardship. It brings about trouble when they, the way they speak. So we need to be people that are encouraging, that our, our mouth is a well of life to others. Uh, verses 20 and 21. So here we go. Let's talk about precious stuff again. Silver has become very valuable, right? They've had to use more silver in electronics, the more electronics there are. So all of a sudden, silver has just gotten very precious. I think silver was probably very precious back then, too. Um, the tongue of the righteous is choice silver. It's beneficial to others. It's, it's valuable. Uh, so when we speak the right things, we're benefiting others. We're helping them. We're giving them valuable stuff that they can use. It goes on to say in verse 21, the lips of the righteous feed many. 
So there's this idea that as we're speaking righteously and helping people do the right thing, that it's going to be a benefit to them. It's going to be an encouragement to them. And even in the fact they're providing for their very basic needs, when we're saying to them, hey, do the things that God wants you to do, and God's going to take care of you, that's the encouragement that they should go forward and do the things of God, right? So that's an encouragement to them, words of encouragement. Proverbs 12, 18. So there's a contrast here. That there's the person who speaks, and they're like the piercing of the swords. How, has anybody ever been pierced by a sword? I have not either. I don't ever desire to be. Um, it does not sound pleasant. It sounds hurtful. Um, has anybody ever been cut by somebody else with a knife? I mean, that's pretty as close. Okay, some people have. Has anybody really enjoyed that? Was that a fun experience? No, it was not, right? And this is what it's saying. If, if you're talking the wrong way, the, the, um, that there's one who speaks like the piercing of the sword, the idea is this is hurtful. This is not beneficial to you. This is not building you up. This is bringing you down. This is causing you pain. But on the contrast, the tongue of the wise promotes health. It's beneficial to you. It helps you to grow. It helps you to be, be you know, here it says health, so it's the idea of you're just you're in the right place, you're doing the right things, you're growing, you're healthy, um, and so our tongue can do that, and we need to be the type of people that uh, we promote health by the way we speak. Proverbs twelve, 12 twenty five. So here the the worry, the anxiety in the heart of a person, that can cause depression there. And that's, I think that's pretty apparent. But the things we say can make someone glad. They can build up someone. They can encourage them. They can give them that joy when we're speaking the things of God. And so our words can not only benefit the health of people, but it, it can benefit the mental health of people. It can put them in the right mind. It can put them in a place where they're trusting God and they're seeing joy in what God's doing in their life. Um, 1624. I might be keeping people like this one. Pleasant words are like a honeycomb. It's sweet. It tastes good. It's, um, you know, the Bible even talks about places where, uh, remember Samson, he found the honeycomb and it gave him strength again. That the honeycomb, the honey gives you strength actually. And here it talks about that. Um, Sweetness to the soul and health to the bones. The way we speak uh, is pleasant. It can be encouraging. It can uh, be of a great benefit to someone if we're speaking the right way for God. Uh, Proverbs twenty four twenty six. Now, we kind of think of this weird because kissing the lips is like an intimate thing, husband-wife type thing. Um, you remember back then, the, the kiss was a little bit different. It was more culturally acceptable. And so this was a thing that friends did to friends. This was an encouragement. This was a greeting that says, I, I am your friend here. I am with you. I am on your side. And so the words can be like that. They can encourage that friendship. They can let you know you're not alone if we use our words rightly. Proverbs 25, 11, and 12. So here again, a lot of gold and silver and earrings of gold, ornaments of fine gold. This is what our words are like when we use them rightly, when we use them for God. They're going to be benefit to others. They're going to be encouragement to others. They're going to be something that people value. It's something that they say, that, that really meant something to me. So our words can be an encouragement. Our words should bring encouragement to others. And, and again, this, when, sometimes when we say encouragement, um, we get the wrong idea. This is not puffing them up with pride. This is not like saying things that maybe aren't true or aren't, aren't true-ish uh, to make somebody feel better about themselves. Words of encouragement are things that are true, but things that help people along and do what's right. Uh, we are encouraging them to do what is right and continue in righteousness. So we should be doing that. We should be encouraging people to continue on in the things of God. Our words can cause harm just as easily as encouragement. 
we need to be careful how we speak to others. And we're going to talk a lot about that in the coming points here. You know, we can use our words for the benefit of others. We can use our words to break down and hurt others. And so we need to be very careful how we speak. Um, our words seem to even be able to affect people's physical well-being. And you see that in uh, chapter 12, 18, and 16, 24, that even the things we say can affect people physically. So we need to be very careful how we're encouraging others. We, need, we should speak words of instruction. We should speak words of encouragement. We should be careful what we promise to do. N another reader. This one's only three verses, so Matt's hand. I did see you in the back this time, Matt. So here it's talking about a person, and it gives advice what you should do, that you should go to them, you should make it right. But uh, what I want to point out here is you're snared by the words of your mouth. You've made a promise, you made a deal, an agreement, and now you're not able to fulfill on that. You need to be careful how we're speaking, that we should be careful what we're promising that we do. And I'm not saying you shouldn't promise to do anything. There's things you should promise to do, but you need to be careful not to not to make bad decisions and, use, and your words trap you and put you in a situation you don't want to be in. Uh, Proverbs 21, 23, Matt. So here the idea is guarding your mouth and tongue. Being careful what you're saying is going to keep you from troubles. It's going to keep you from hard situations. So we need to be careful what we're saying that we don't put ourselves in a bad situation where we have that trouble, where we have... Uh, the, these situations come upon us. And then Proverbs twenty two twenty six. And, and the author of Proverbs even goes as far to say, don't even make these kind of promises. Don't even make these kind of deals. Don't do it. It's wiser not to be someone who shakes their hand in a pledge or is surety for someone's debt. Um, at one point in time, I had a friend, uh, he was a very close friend of mine, um, and he wanted to get a bedroom set. Um, and he hadn't been walking with God now for a little while, but he was a close friend, so he asked me to co-sign on it. And I, being not really thinking and wanting to be a good friend, co-signed on his loan. Well, he wasn't walking with God, he wasn't doing what's right, and then eventually he started to not pay on his loan. So they weren't getting the money from him, so guess who they went to? They went to me and talked about it. I, I tried to explain to them that, hey, I didn't buy the stuff. You need to go get the money from him. But I put my name on that loan. And so they were like, you signed it. You're, you're responsible too. And I learned a thing there that you, know, you need to be careful. And I'm not saying you don't help out others, but you maybe need to be wise. And this was maybe not a wise decision on my part. In fact, uh, I remember Sue was not very happy with me for doing this in the first place. Uh, she was oftentimes a much wiser woman than I was. So um, sometimes you just step back and say, nope, I'm not going to do that. That's not a wise decision. And that involves us saying that we promise to do something that maybe we shouldn't. Uh, so we should follow through on whatever we promise to do. God says if you make, take an oath, you should fulfill it. Uh, so we should do that. But we should only promise to do what we're able and willing to do. Don't make false promises. Don't, make, don't say, I'm going to do this, and then later on say, I can't do that, and making those promises knowing that you're going to do that. And that it's better just to do good than to promise to do good. If you're going to do good, just do it. Don't, don't make a promise and later on not be able to do it. Just do good. So we should be careful what we promise to do. Number four here, we should do what we say we will do. This kind of goes very closely with the last one. I need another reader. This is only one verse. Bethany's hand up. She's like, I want to read. Okay, Bethany, go ahead. So what's a hypocrite? Give me a definition, someone. Yes, go ahead.
Yep. And even in the things you say, you say one thing, I'm going to be this type of person. I'm going to do this. I'm going to, I'm going to help you out in this. I'm going to show up on Saturday and help you move your furniture out of your house. And then Saturday comes and you don't show up. It, that's, that's kind of the idea here. Um, if we do the opposite of what we say, we are a hypocrite. And here it talks about that the hypocrite with his mouth destroys his neighbor. So he says one thing, he makes promises, he says, I'm going to do this, I'm going to be this type of person, I'm going to be friendly to you, and then he does the opposite. And God wants us to be careful what we're saying because with our mouth we can destroy the people around us. But through knowledge the righteous will be delivered. Um, so we should do, and do what we say we will do. Being a hypocrite is doing the opposite of what we say. Hypocrisy is destructive to others. It causes them to believe and depend on a false promise. Uh, you know, they're, they're putting their trust in you. They're putting their trust in the things you say. It is a betrayal of friendship. And so we need to be careful that the things that we're saying, the things that we're portraying ourselves as, that we're not being actors like Kevin said. And, you know, I play a doctor on TV, so therefore trust me to do surgery. No, that's not... That's not what we're supposed to be doing. If we say we're going to be somebody or, or do something or I'm going to be your friend, I'm going to come alongside you, we need to do that. We need not be hypocritical. We need to do and say, do what we say we will do. That's number four there. It was a little shorter one. Um, number five, we should know when not to speak. Who's going to read? Olivia. So Proverbs 10, 19. So here, you get the idea, in a multitude of words, sin is not lacking. The more words there are, the more opportunity there is for sinful thoughts and actions to happen. A wise person here, uh, he restrains his lips. He's the wise person, the person who doesn't say too much. There's a time for speaking, there's a time for not speaking. And sometimes when we talk too much, it puts us in a sinful situation or our speech becomes sinful. But sometimes we just need to hold our tongue, sit and think about what we're going to say, and say what is right and good. Um, so he restrains his lips is wise. Proverbs 11.13. Okay, and, and you're looking at this, and it, it seems like you hear somebody, somebody who conceals a matter. Well, isn't that kind of like lying? Well, this is a case where you have information or somebody comes to you in confidence and says, you know, there's something going on here in my life or, you know, they're, they're sharing with you something that they want help with, but it's not something you publish abroad. And the talebearer is the one who says, ooh, I got knowledge about this person. I'm going to start telling people. I'm going to share this knowledge because that's, that's fun to share what we know. And the righteous person is the one that says, you know what, they talk to me in confidence or this is something I know that I found out that maybe shouldn't be known by everybody, I'm going to hold my tongue and not talk about it. I'm not going to share it with other people. I'm going to keep it to me. And that's hard for us. I don't know why it's so hard, but we like to share the gossip. We like to share the tidbits. And here, the wise person, he is of a faithful spirit. He conceals a matter. He keeps it to himself. He doesn't share it abroad. He doesn't publish it, information that he's not privileged to share. Uh, 1223. We talked about uh, point one, we should speak words of instruction or knowledge. Now it says a prudent man conceals knowledge. Well, again, this is this kind of knowledge again, this sensitive information maybe or stuff that shouldn't be publicly known. They hold it back. They don't share it. They conceal it. The heart of the fool proclaims this foolishness. He's the one who goes around talking and gossiping and talking about it. Uh, Proverbs 17, 27 and 28. So here the idea is, again, not sharing knowledge that you're not privileged to share, but you look at the second part of this verse here, and even a fool is counted wise when he holds his tongue, when he doesn't say anything. That says a lot, is that sometimes we just need to close our mouth, not say anything, and, and trust God with these situations. 
When he shuts his lips, he considered perceptive. It, it's the idea of maybe listening more, of maybe, you know, again, concealing this knowledge that maybe you're not allowed to share. Proverbs 18.23. Sometimes when we talk too quickly, we talk without knowing all the facts. And, and sometimes we need to wait and find out what's really going on before we start giving our opinion, giving our thoughts on it, or commenting on a situation. We don't have all the story. We don't have both sides, all the details of what's going on. And so if you talk, if you answer a matter before you hear it, it's folly to you. If you, you make a, a comment on something and you don't know all the details, that's your fault. You need to stop and listen and wait and, and learn what's going on. Uh, Proverbs 29, 11. A lot of times we hear kind of the expression, I, I, I couldn't help but say something. Well, why can't you help to say something? It's because your emotions were running and you were just, maybe you were angry about it or you were, uh, something was going on that you just felt like you had to say something. Well, that's a foolish thing to do. It's uh, a wise man holds back those feelings, doesn't share those things. He lets himself calm down. He looks at the situation. He looks at the fact. He looks at what's true and then makes a response. So a couple points here. It shows wisdom when we hold our tongue and we do not say something we will regret later. Now this is, I think, something I know for me that I look back at my life and there's been many times where I've said stuff and I wish I could have taken it back. I wish I could have not said that. And I think that might be true for most of us, that we need to be careful and take the time and think about what we're saying, think about how it impacts others, think about whether it's true or not, think about whether we have all the information before we make an answer. Because we can very easily say things that we regret later. Some things do not need to be said. <laughs> you don't have to share every thought that pops into your head. Um, your opinion is not the most important thing. God's opinion is the most important thing. And so you might have something to say, but maybe you shouldn't say it. Maybe you shouldn't ever say it. Maybe you should just put that thought out of your mind and trust God with the situation. Some things do not need to be said. We do not need to share everything that pops into our mind or reply with the first thing we think of. Sometimes just no response is the best response. Um, sometimes we don't have all the information, so we should wait to speak until we hear all the facts. I, I've done that before, too. I've had somebody come to me and say, oh, this is what's going on. I'm, I'm so upset about it. And I listen to them. I go, yeah, you're right. You're, you're really upset. And then later on, I talk to the other person and they say, well, that's not all the facts. Here's what else is going on. It's like, oh, no, I should have waited and listened to see what both sides of the story here because now I see that there's more going on than I originally thought of. So sometimes we need to wait because we don't have all the information. Um, when we speak from our, our emotions, we rarely say things that honor or please God. When we speak emotionally, our emotions are, are so impacted by our sin nature that when we get emotional about something, most of the time we're not going to say something God-honoring, and we need to be careful about how we speak. So there should be, we should know when not to speak. And I think for a lot of us, more often than not, we ought to not speak and we ought to wait to say something. Number six here, we should not speak crooked words, but wholesome words. Another reader, who wants to read? No readers today. Okay, Eric's going to go ahead and do it. I think I accidentally grabbed verse 16 because it doesn't really fit with the rest there. Um, anyway, sorry about that. Um, so a worthless person, a wicked man, he walks with a perverse mouth. The wicked person is the one that speaks these crooked, wicked, evil things. And that shouldn't be true of us as children of God. Um, and the way he talks, and we're going to talk about this in a little bit, uh, as you read through this, it affects what he does too. As he talks with a wicked, crooked mouth, that he does, 
evil things. He winks with his eyes. He shovels his feet. He points his finger. Perversity is in his heart. He devises evil continually. He sows discord. All these things start with the way he speaks. And then these things, of course, lead to his destruction. Calamity shall come upon him. Suddenly he shall be broken without remedy. So we need to be very careful about how we speak, that we're speaking, that we're not speaking these crooked, wicked words. Uh, Proverbs 10.32 There's a difference between a righteous person and a wicked person. The righteous person knows what is right to say. The righteous person knows what is good and acceptable to say. The perverse person just speaks whatever evil comes to mind. And so as Christians, again, what should we be? We should be the type of person that knows what is the right thing to say. Uh, Proverbs 15.4. So a wholesome tongue is a tree of life. It's, it's beneficial. It, it, it helps us to grow. It helps us to be right with God. Perverseness breaks the spirit when we speak with perverseness. Um, so perverse here, I used the word crooked already. There's a reason why. That's literally what this word means in the Hebrew. It's, it means crooked. It's like a crooked path. Uh, so the idea that God wants to speak straight, straight on the righteous narrow road, that we're, the words we say are going the right direction. When you're perverse, you're all over the place. You're in places you shouldn't be. You're on a crooked path. Uh, the words that we speak should not be based in sin and deceit. Instead, the words we speak should be pure and undefiled. And I put Philippians 4, 8 in here. I thought this was an appropriate verse. This talks about thinking things, but the things you think are going to help you to say the things you say. So finally, brother, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate, think upon these things. Again, as we think on things, that's what's going to lead to the things we say. So we need to focus on the good things and make sure our speech reflects that, that we're thinking on the things of God. We should not speak crooked words, but wholesome words. That was number six. Number seven, we should speak the truth. The Bible has a lot to say about speaking the truth. Who wants to read? Lynn, go ahead. So one of the first things that we see is that a lying tongue, somebody who speaks falsehood, that's an abomination to the Lord. God hates that. God is a God of truth. And when we speak lies, when we speak things that aren't true, God despises that in our life. We need to be truthful people. Uh, Proverbs 10, 18. Go ahead, Lynn. So here, lying lips is a result of someone who hides hatred. So that the person that hates, the person that... Uh, wants to hurt and despise other people, they are the ones that are going to have lying lips. Um, and whoever spreads slander, whoever says things that are untrue and hurtful towards other people, he's a fool. So again, does God appreciate lying at all? No, absolutely not. God is against lying. Um, Proverbs 12, 17 and 19. So here, two things about the truthfulness. The, the person who speaks truth declares righteousness. You want to be a righteous person, you need to be speaking the truth. Uh, truthful lips shall be established forever. You're not going to go wrong speaking the truth. In fact, God says that he's going to establish you forever if you speak with truthful lips. Um, and the contrast there, again, we see that the, the false witness uh, speaks, declares deceit, falsehood, unrighteousness, and a lying tongue is but for a moment. A lying tongue does not last. Somebody who lies is not going to be benefited by it. Proverbs 12.22 You want to delight God, be a truthful person, speak things that are true. 
If you're lying, that's an abomination again. We talked about that already. Uh, Proverbs 13.5. So if you're righteous, not only are you not going to lie, but you hate lying. Um, one of the things, uh, again, about Sue, and I think about her a lot, is that she did not tolerate lying. If she found out you were lying, that made her very upset. She hated lying. Um, that, you know, and I want to tell the truth because I want to be a good child of God. But when I was around Sue, I also wanted to tell the truth because I didn't want to earn her hatred. Uh, you know, she... She just despised lying, and I think that showed some of the righteousness that was in her life, that uh, she, she falsehood did not make her very happy. And a righteous man, he hates lying. Um, Proverbs 14.5. We think about witnesses as in court. Um, you know, if you are caught lying in court, there's penalties for that. You're going to jail for perjury. Um, why? Because it's, it's a deceitful thing. And as Christians, we ought to know better that we um, want to be righteous and we want to um, tell what is true. So a faithful witness does not lie. Um, Proverbs 14.25. So a true witness, actually, telling the truth helps people. And sometimes does the truth sting a little bit? Does the truth, can the truth hurt a little bit when people hear the truth? It can. But in the end, it's beneficial to speak the truth. It's beneficial to tell people what is true. And here it talks about it delivers people, delivers souls. A deceitful witness speaks lies. So someone who's trying to be hurtful, somebody who's trying to deceive people, they're the ones who speak lies. Uh, Proverbs 17, 7. So the idea of even those in positions of authority, when they lie, it's, it's not beneficial for them. It's not beneficial for how they rule. They shouldn't be lying here. Uh, Proverbs 19.5. The idea here, I think, is that you're going to get caught in your lie if you're going to be a liar. If you're going to speak lies, you're not going unpunished. You're not going to escape that God knows what's going on. He knows what is the truth and what is a lie. And so you're not going to go unpunished. Uh, Proverbs 20, 19. So you say, I don't see lying in this verse. Well, someone who flatters with their lips, what are they doing? They're saying things that maybe aren't true to build you up and make you feel good about yourself so that you do what they want them to do. You know, people would come to me and say, oh, you're so handsome. I can't believe how handsome you are. Well, that's a lie. Okay, so don't tell me that because that's, they're just trying to butter me up, right? That's what, that's what somebody who flatters with their lips is trying to do here. Um, and those people are lying, and it's not helpful for you. It's just trying to manipulate you. Uh, so we shouldn't be those type of people. So Proverbs 24, 28. So here it's the idea of saying something falsely against someone um, in order to benefit yourself or to benefit someone else, um, but you're deceiving. You're you're being hurtful towards someone by the lies that you're saying. And then Proverbs 26, 18 and 19. So the idea of deceiving your neighbor and then you come back later and say, oh, no, I was just joking. It's not, you know, I wasn't telling the truth. That doesn't seem harmful, but the Bible compares it to somebody who's going around throwing firebrands, arrows, and death. So it's someone who's a murderer, somebody who's hurting others. Your words, when you lie, hurt others, even if you were like, I, I wasn't being serious about it, it was only a joke. You still can hurt others. So what do we know about lying? God always desires that we speak the truth. Always. Lies are always an abomination to God. Therefore, we should always be speaking the truth if we want to please God. There's never occasion, an occasion where a lie is appropriate. Never. 
New Testament tells us we need to speak the truth in love. And so the idea is you're not just using the truth to use as a weapon and hurt people, but you're using the truth because you want people to know what the truth is so that they can benefit from that, speaking the truth in love. But there's never a situation where a lie is appropriate. Even the little white lies, you know, the, the things that we're like, I'm not going to tell them the truth because it's just going to hurt them. Even the little white lies which we think to tell as to not hurt someone else are wrong and should be removed from our speech. There's no lie that's appropriate. There's no lie that's good. When we're uh, talking, when we're, somebody's confronting us about something, when somebody's asking us a question, God always wants us to tell the truth. We should be people who are telling the truth, who are speaking the truth. That was number seven. Number eight, a couple more here and we'll be done. Um, the way we speak should not lead us into sin, but into righteousness. Uh, I need a reader. Matt, are you going to go again? Oh. We'll let Josiah do it. He's been sitting up there. I don't look up there. Yep. Okay, Josiah, go ahead. Number eight. Uh, Proverbs 12, 13, 14. So the wicked is ensnared by the transgression of his lips. The things we say can lead us to wicked action. They're kind of the starting place, it seems like, and you're going to see this as we read through some of these Proverbs, that the way we speak often leads us into certain action. Um, the righteous will come through trouble, and I think the idea here is if the wicked is ensnared by his lips, the righteous, by the way he speaks, will come through trouble. A man will be satisfied with good by the fruit of his mouth. By the things he says, says he's going to be satisfied with the good that results from it. So the way we speak that should not lead us into sin, but into righteousness. We need to be careful how we speak because it has an impact on our life. Proverbs 12.20, Josiah. So here a result, the counselors, the people who are giving counsel or, or giving instructions of uh, peace, they are ones that have joy. The way we speak impacts the way our lives are lived out. Uh, Proverbs 13, 2 and 3. So here, he who guards his mouth preserves his life. The, the things that we say have an impact on what happens in our life, on the good or bad that we have. And on the contrary, you see there are a couple places. The soul of the unfaithful feeds on violence, but he who opens wide his lips has destruction. So if you're speaking the wrong way, it's going to lead you down a destructive path. And so our speech impacts our life. Uh, Proverbs 14.3. So the lips of the wise will preserve them. It has an impact on how your life is lived out by the way you speak. Uh, you can't separate the things we say from the things we do. God uh, sees that those things go together. 1523. How are you having joy? Well, when you're speaking the right things, that brings about joy in your life. Word spoken in due season, how good it is. It's going to have a good effect on your life. Uh, Proverbs 18, 6 through 7. So, by the things that the fool says, his mouth calls for blows. The things he says results in violence in his life. The fool's mouth is his destruction. The things he says will destroy him in the end and his lips are the snare of his soul. So what we say has an impact on how our lives are lived out, the situations we end up in, uh, because we speak righteously or unrighteously. One more, Proverbs 12, 6. So the words of the wicked are, let's do this, let's do this evil thing together, let's lie and wait for blood. But it says there that the words of the upright will deliver him. It has an impact on what happens in his life. As he speaks righteous words, it delivers him from the situation that's going to get him in trouble. So here, our actions often follow the path that our words start us out on. 
We, we think maybe words aren't a big deal. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Well, your words can hurt you. Your words can impact your life. We need to be careful how we speak because wrong words can lead to wrong actions. And so God, God says that our words end up impacting our life. In the same way, righteous words will place us on a righteous path and can deliver us from evil actions and consequences. As we speak the right way, as we speak the truth, it has an impact on how our life is lived out. We, the way we speak should not lead us into sin, but into righteousness. Number nine, we should speak in a way that brings about peace. Another reader, please. I'm watching the sound booth. Make sure you always raise your hand up there. Okay, Nathan, go ahead. So the way we speak has an impact on how others will react going forward. Soft answer will turn away wrath. A harsh answer stirs up anger. Um, many of you know that um, my neighbor is not very happy with me right now. Um, she had built a fence. Um, I made a comment that there's nails uh, going through the other side and that's kind of dangerous. And her response was to put up some banners I think she meant to be offensive towards me. Um, I have a way I can respond now. I can go to her and yell at her and scream at her and, and ask her why she's being such a bad person. Or I can respond with righteous words. If I do the first one, what do you think is going to happen? That's probably going to make her more angry, make her do some more things that are probably trying to be hurtful towards me. If I go back with a soft answer, if I go back with kind words, that may slow down the situation, that may turn it around. And so our words can have an effect on how other people react uh, to various situations in our life. Proverbs 29, 8 and 9. So here, scoffers, that's somebody who speaks um, you know, words of like derision, words that are like, oh, you're being an idiot, you're being a fool, you're, you know, they're, they're saying things like this. Um, they set a city aflame. So they cause a lot of trouble. They cause destruction. They cause a reaction that is not in a godly way. But a wise man, and again, the idea here, the context is by his words, he turns away wrath by the things he says. And then it says, a wise man contends with a foolish man, whether the fool rages or laughs, there is no peace. So you even need to be careful, not only how you answer, but who you answer. Because uh, sometimes you can't give a right answer without uh, making the situation worse. So again, going back to sometimes we need to know when not to say anything. Sometimes in situations, even saying anything might be worse for the situation. So... Um, Thoughts here, our words can stir up others to retaliate or cause us harm or, and damage relationships. So we need to be careful how we respond. If we respond in anger, if we respond in wrath, if we respond inappropriately, we can make situations worse, we can destroy friendships, we can do all kinds of things that are just not a good result. Our words can also turn away wrath of those we speak to and bring about peace between two people. If you speak wisely, if you speak in the way God wants you to, you can mend and restore relationships. And so our speech has great power that we should speak in a way that brings about peace. Finally, number 10, we should speak in a way that honors God. A couple more verses. Who wants to be the last reader? Ted. So... We can think a certain way. We can prepare to say things in a certain way. The answer of the tongue is from the Lord. And, and, and um, I can't think of the word now. In the end of things, as we get to the end of the matter here, our words ought to be from the Lord. They ought to be pleasing to God. They ought to serve him and do what he wants us to do. The answer of the tongue is from the Lord. Proverbs sixteen thirteen. Righteous lips are the delight of kings. And the idea here, of course, they're talking about worldly kings, but righteous lips are also the delight of God, we know. And he is the king of kings. And they love him who speaks what is right. There's a goodness in speaking what is right. There's a goodness that pleases God and brings him glory and honor. And our words ultimately should bring honor and praise to God. 
when we're speaking in a right, right way, God is glorified in our words. And not just, you know, not just sharing the Bible or whatever, but talking daily to people and the way we talk to them, the way we treat them, the way we act. Our words ought to be honoring to God. Our words ought to build him up. Our words ought to exalt him. We ought to represent Christ by the way we speak. And so we need to honor God with our words. And that's ultimately, with all these things, I think it comes down to how do we honor God? How do we speak the right way that pleases God and gives him the glory? So those are some practical wisdom from Proverbs. You probably could change the categories around a little bit. You could probably move verses around. Uh, But I think overall you see God is very concerned about the way we speak. And while it is difficult, James tells us that no man can tame the tongue, our goal ought to be to use our words in a way that is right and good and holy, righteous, that uh, God can be delighted in the way we speak. So that's my encouragement today. I'm going to close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we do praise you, Lord, and we thank you for this time together today. Uh, We thank you for um, all the things you taught us from your word, Lord. We pray that you'd help us to walk in the spirit as we learned in the sermon this morning, that uh, we would depend on your spirit and do the things that please you, and that the fruit of the spirit, the love, the joy, the peace, the kindness, the long-suffering, the patience, the goodness, gentleness, self-control, that all would be true of us, Lord. And that we also pray that as uh, we think about how we speak and how we use our words, Lord, that they would, uh, the way we use our words would be pleasing and honoring to you. Uh, Lord, we do thank you for this time. Bless uh, this fellowship we have afterwards, this impromptu fellowship we're throwing together. Uh, may we just uh, practice what we have heard this morning and give you the honor and glory. In Jesus' name, amen.